Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us on the phone now, Gavin Rich, president of Richloo Manufacturing uh, here in Winnipeg. Gavin, good afternoon. Hal, good afternoon. Great to chat with you. You're the tough duck guy. I should explain that to people, and I mentioned that because several years ago, you made us at CJOB and Power 97 some great tough duck jackets, and while it doesn't fit me quite as good anymore because I was uh, fortunate enough to lose some weight, I, when I need a warm jacket, I throw that jacket on, and I reached out to you the other day thinking, hey, here's a guy, here's a company that is able to help out and make some of the stuff needed during COVID-19, and you are ready to go. Tell me about it. Okay, great, Hal. Well, first of all, um, what's important to know is that is that Tough Duck makes uh, currently we 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 offer uh, personal protective equipment that's for the occupational um, space. So we make lots of high visibility safety vests, rainwear, uh, protective apparel, and we are considered an essential service during this time. So when jurisdictions like Quebec and Ontario um, have uh, closed just to essential services, it's important to note that work uh, stores and safety supply stores that we supply uh, are very much um, asked to remain open, and, and many of our customers in those jurisdictions are open and still operate. As a matter of fact, we just got an email this morning um, from one of our customers in Alberta uh, thanking us for for, uh, staying open and uh, supplying uh, important equipment for care facilities and security personnel uh, during this time. So uh, for an uplifting story, you mentioned before, uh, certainly our people over at uh, at Richelieu and Tough Duck are really excited to be uh, at least helping out uh, the country um, and other people during, during this time. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And I know you make a lot of that product uh, for, as you said, uh, people right across the country and around the world. Now, what are you going to be doing? Are you are the because we've been hearing from the province they're they've got a portal online portal where businesses can say, hey, we can do this. And uh, I know a lot of businesses are are getting involved in making products that are are needed for the battle against this pandemic. Are you looking at taking any part of your business and shifting into production of stuff that maybe you're not making now? Or or give me the rundown over there. I think every company in Winnipeg and Manitoba and everywhere really is having this conversation. Absolutely, Hal, and and for many of the companies certainly that I've been speaking to, um, and much like much like us at Richlou and Tough Duck is, uh, we are willing and and we can retool our our manufacturing facilities here in Winnipeg in order to produce masks or scrubs or other equipment for for medical professionals. So what we've done is uh, is we very interesting is is the uh, industry has really gotten together across global the global industry, and um, uh, there's a company called uh, Gerber, and they've actually released. All uh, patterns of medical equi- of medical apparel uh, for the world to use for free. So um, that's a really really uh, great thing that the global apparel community has done, um, offering free patterns and free specifications, so that somebody like us, if the need comes, we can access those patterns and go. So we've accessed raw material. We've accessed basically all the inputs that we need um, when called upon. So um, we are ready to go. We've also um, put up our hand uh, both to the provincial and federal governments in, in both official and unofficial ways. Uh, we've been in touch with all kinds of local stakeholders, as well as industry associations. Um, I think the Canadian Manufacturers uh, Association has done a really good job, and the Canadian Apparel Federation has done a terrific job gathering there, both local Manitoba apparel companies as well as apparel companies across Canada, to put up their hands and say, let's retool and uh, let's help out. Now, let me ask you about uh, Rich Lou Manufacturing and Tough Duck, your company. Um, you know, 
these are challenging times for a lot of individuals and companies. Um, how are how is this situation, this pandemic COVID nineteen, affecting your company? Can you tell us a bit about that, Gavin? Absolutely. How well it's uh, it's certainly um, for any business uh, any business right now um, operating. Uh, these are unsure times. Um, again, what I, what I mentioned, so, so we, we can only take things week by week as information comes. Uh, the best thing we can do is communicate with our team, um, keep everybody, uh, you know, we, we are providing essential, uh, essential goods, so that gives us a little bit of security and makes us, makes us feel good. Um, we, do, uh, we do look at some, certainly the next, nobody knows, but perhaps the next, you know, we've got a 30-day plan, a 60-day plan, a 90-day plan, but honestly, Hal, um, Though we see some short and medium-term, perhaps, bumps in insurity in the road, we, we are hearing from our customers across Canada, the United States, and the world that, that you know, come, come fall, come even Christmas, I know it's a long time to think about that, but our customers are telling us that they want to be ready for fall and Christmas selling. So um, we're doing our best to keep preparing for, 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 that, uh, for that market and market, that season, um, and we've given our employees an assurity of... Uh, of, of when we will be um, when we will be speaking to them again and, and reassessing the situation. So we just communicate. Uh, we do our best. We know that we're an essential service. Uh, we know this will pass, and um, and we really do our best to, to keep business continuity uh, for our customers as much as we can. Hey, Gavin, thanks a lot for this. I really do appreciate it. Hal, thank you. And listen, my friend, if uh, if you ever need a uh, a retailer of that old tough duck jacket of yours, now that you're a much velter <laughs> individual, yes. my pleasure, my friend. <laughs> I pre- let's get through this, but I appreciate the offer. And when this is all done, we'll have lunch or coffee, and and we'll catch up in person, Gavin. Love it. All the best to Jackie. Thank you, Hal, and take Thank care you to very all much. you and your listener. Bye bye. Thank you, Gavin Rich, president of Richlou Manufacturing, right here in Winnipeg. They're the Tough Duck people, um, and uh, ready to help out, and already helping out, as you heard from Gavin, uh, in many ways. David Zarek is the risk monger. He is a risk communication specialist, and he joins us on the phone now. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? I am excellent. We've been trying to track you down and get you on for a while now. One of the first articles I read about coronavirus was one by you, and uh, I, I, like, uh, I feel like there's always a silver lining, even in, in a pandemic, and your article talked about the top ten good things that might come from COVID nineteen, and I and I love this. Can I mention a few, and then you just you give me your thoughts on them? Yep, go ahead. That's all. Things may have changed since since we're in well, lockdown, right. and I haven't been able to go outside since. But anyway, let's go for it. <laughs> yes, because in the uh, preamble to this article, you did not think this was going to turn into a global pandemic, and yet here we are. Talk about that first of all. Yep. Uh, well, the uh, at the point uh, of. Uh, where we were in the virus, it was still in China and a few uh, limited cases. But I still don't think this is of a global pandemic uh, that we were expecting. I still don't think this is the big one. Uh, what this is is a, a good warning shot that we really are not ready with our healthcare systems and with our uh, means to manage um, a public health crisis. So that is still good news. When you get a pandemic that can kill a much larger percentage of the population, uh, then we get serious, but this is a good practice run. Yeah, and that's one of your top ten good things is that it, it is a, a, an opportunity 
to learn, and I think you're you're definitely right about that. We're certainly learning, whether we like it or not. Um, number one on your list: increase public awareness on hygiene, which is you know we're all washing our hands now. We're all cleaning much more. Talk about it. Well, you you think about it that uh, we used to think that in 2020 we'd have flying cars and all these other wonderful new technology innovations. In the end, we're teaching our people how to wash hands uh, with soap even, which is quite a remarkable innovation. But it, it is a bit sad that we have to get back to such basics. Um, we're learning other things as well about how viruses spread, and I think that's important uh, we're also learning uh, how to build up our own uh, immunity, our own immunal resistance. Uh, that is something that most people didn't think of before. You know, getting, getting rest, eating properly, uh, not stressing. These are good ways to fight the flu in any season on its own. So we're learning a lot of basic, uh, basic public care approaches. I like number nine of your top ten in this article, anti-Chinese rhetoric exposed for its racism and prejudice. Donald Trump, President of the United States, still calls it the Chinese virus, and that bugs a lot of people. I don't like it either. He says, well, that's where it came from. That's why I'm calling it that. But you're right. This is an opportunity, I think, to expose uh, these racist and and prejudicial thoughts and, and words. I think not just in China. I think what we are also learning in the West is that many Asian countries uh, have managed this far better than we have. Particularly, South Korea has become the model of how uh, a crisis should be managed. And uh, this idea um, in the West, not just in North America, not just with the orange one, but if we look at uh, in Europe as well, we are beginning to realize that we have to do far more than we're doing now for developing our healthcare systems. And uh, the Asian model is a model. You talked about face masks as well. Uh, number two in your top ten, yeah. face masks are becoming commonplace, even fashionable. Why is that a good thing? Certainly in some parts of the world, face masks have been common for a while. It's unusual to see it here now, but we're seeing it all over the place because of this pandemic. Well, uh, a, a bit of a myth that people think is if I wear a face mask, I won't get uh, the coronavirus. Uh, if you wear a face mask that fits perfectly on your face, there are certain types. Plus, if you wear um, uh, eye protection, plus if you have uh, all other pores, plus hand protection, you will be safe. But at some point, people who are going to touch their eyes or not have the, uh, the face mask sealed will probably still get it. So it's not meant as a preventative measure, except that it prevents you from giving the coronavirus to somebody else. Most people in Asia who wear face masks wear it when they're sick, not if they're afraid of getting sick. And I think that view that we've got to understand is that when I'm sick, um, you know, it's not me that's the problem. It's me getting other people sick that's the problem. And that's something else we can learn, I think, from the Asian approach. Boy, and that's at the heart of this, right? I can't tell you how many text messages, emails, and uh, conversations that I've had with people that have said, and we've seen that, you know, during spring break, all the kids that were on the beaches in Florida saying, well, I'll be fine. You, It's not about you. It's about someone else. Like, and I keep saying yeah. this, but this is at, very close to me. It's about my mother-in-law in her 70s who has underlying health issues. Exactly.
Um, another one here, number four on your list of top ten good things that may come from this. People are reminded how deadly the flu is. You're right. We don't really think about that much, but we do now, don't we? And I think this is an important issue going back to what you said just before about how we get other people sick. Uh, many people say, I don't need a flu uh, vaccine. I'm perfectly fine. Uh, I'll, I'll survive it. But I may go and visit somebody uh, who is uh, part of the vulnerable population and infect them. I can imagine, and it's not just about the, the eventual coronavirus vaccine, but I can imagine next year many people taking this more seriously, making sure that they don't get sick for the sake of others. Two more here. Number five on your list of top ten good things that may come from the pandemic. Anti-vax opportunists and conspiracy theorists get outed. This is, this is, I think, probably the best news of all. I'm sorry. It, this was not caused by Bill Gates. Uh, this was not a conspiracy theory set up in, uh, in Wuhan to basically destroy the Western system, nor was it one of those situations that was caused by the uh, rolling out of 5G. And the more they come out with these theories, the more ridiculous they look. They were almost trying to be mainstream, the anti-vax movers at a certain point. Uh, what has happened now, and it's refreshing to see this, is that the public is turning and listening to scientists again, not choosing which facts that they wanted to believe. Um, now people are watching the news. They're respecting uh, good, credible scientific evidence. And that, that is very good news, I think, for going forward and having clear, strong policies that are science and evidence-based. One more here. Number six, social media is stepping up to confront ridiculous alarmism. This is one issue when you find yourself going on a website that's creating, um, you know, conspiracy theories or spreading uh, information that's not correct or trying to sell you something, uh, some natural path solution uh, that will keep you safe. You will get a warning at the top with a link to a credible scientific site, and it will be in your language, in your country. And uh, this is uh, an, uh, an attempt, I think, by social media organizations to ensure that uh, while I still have the right to visit other sites, uh, if I'm a person who lands on it by accident, uh, it's a warning label, and that allows me to know uh, quite clearly how um, and where I can find uh, reliable information. Really good article, David. I, as, as you said, some things maybe have changed a bit, but it, it really is uh, is good, and I've been reading some of your other stuff, and, and I'm really happy you took some time for us here today. You mentioned, though, that you don't think COVID-19 is going to be the big one, the big pandemic. You, you worry yeah. that there is still something bigger and more dangerous and deadly to come, eh? Indeed. Um, I, and I heard you wanting to get good news from people for the weekend, so I don't know whether I should give you what would be the worst-case situation, but um, this, will, this will hit us. This will hit us hard, um, and it will, it will hit and affect a lot of people, so I, I don't want to diminish it in any way. But what's happening more and more is uh, that we need to make our defense systems stronger. By defense, I mean health defense, personal defense, immunity defense. And what I suspect may happen in this case is as we, you know, there may be a weakening, obviously long-term, some people may fight for more than a short period of time to recover, but they will be susceptible to other types, not just viruses, but infections. And we're in a very dismal state right now for uh, antimicrobial resistance. The antibiotics that we have, many of them are 30 to 40 years old. 
and we could have a weakened population, weakened by a virus like this, that then gets other types of infections where there is no real treatment. And that, in a way, is probably also good news that we are waking up to this now rather than when we have further infections, not viral infections necessarily, but that we cannot cure and that would cause a much slower painful death on a larger scale. That would be what I would call the big one. So this is a wake-up call for everyone, and uh, it's, as, a global, as a global pandemic, I think uh, people realize that they have to coordinate more. There isn't the coordination, there isn't the leadership, and um, the good news is that while it will be a bad situation, it will worsen in some places, it will take a, a big shot to the uh, global economy, we will learn enough of the things that we should have been doing for the last 20 years. Bill Gates has been saying that we need to do this for the last 10 years. And I think people are ready to listen now. And so when the big one comes, um, hopefully we're going to be much better prepared. David, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and keep no up problem. the great writing. Shout out to my family, by the way. I'm originally a boy from Manitoba. Okay, not Come on, family. I didn't my know father, that. My father was born in 1920 in Mountain Road and my mother from Dolphin. Uh, but I, gr- I grew up in the Niagara Peninsula. But anyway, I've got family in Manitoba, and I just want to say you guys owe me a visit in Belgium when this thing blows over. Wow. Well, I'll make you an offer. When you come <laughs> out here, you can stay at my cottage. When you come out here as a, a return favor for helping us out with this, it's really a pleasure to chat with you. And okay. as I said, keep up the great writing, David. Thank yeah, you. That's good. And stay safe. You as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, David Zarek, he is the risk monger. Uh, and if you want, reach out to me on, on social media, and I'll share the link to that article and some other writings from David. Huh? From Manitoba. Uh, isn't that interesting? All right, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com, joins us on the phone. Cyrus, good afternoon. Hello, are you there, Doc? I'm here. There you are, yes. Ah, things aren't working perfectly all the time, but uh, we're getting through this. Now, we've got some stuff planned that we're going to talk about here, and a lot of it relates to COVID-19. Can I ask you just a couple of uh, things, and I'd love to get your thoughts and perspective on? Sure. Um, etiquette. You know, if we see somebody out there not mm. physically distancing themselves I don't think we worry about good manners and etiquette in a time like this with a pandemic. I think we we be polite about it, but we just say, "Hey, here's the deal." I've I've had to do it a couple times. Yeah, most people are picking up on the cues, uh, you know, and they will notice and be aware and and will social distance. But um, I think it is necessary and uh, and appropriate to be assertive and let people know. Uh, you know, uh, we're in a different time. Could you maybe just take a few steps back. Um, I just want to make sure that we're okay. You know, something like that is, I think, appropriate at a time like this, for sure. Yeah, I agree. And as I said, I've had to do it a couple of times. Um, uh, education. Kids, at, first full week of, today's the final <laughs> uh, day of the first full week of homeschooling uh, in the province of Manitoba. Um, if you have any questions, moms and dads, uh, I guess now teachers as well, if you've got any questions, let me know about them. Uh, but Cyrus, any, any thoughts, uh, as we continue the homeschooling thing for, for a while? 
Oh, for sure. You know, actually, we homeschool our kids already, so this hasn't made much of a difference for us. But, you know, there's lots to learn about homeschooling. One of the things to think about is uh, that's kind of some of the things that are easier for parents to do quickly uh, in order to do homeschooling is read aloud. So if you were to kind of get some uh, books online and there are services that you can use in order to do that, that kind of just kind of you can have access to a library like 10 different online or um, audio books and uh, just have those playing for your kids. And that can work for quite a while. Uh, especially kids who, um, and you might have to teach your kids to do that a little bit. Our kids are pretty used to it. but uh, So that's something that takes a while. Also, you can stream documentaries. There's a streaming channel just for documentaries. And so those are, are two ways that are really easy on parents who don't maybe have a lot of background and curriculum or different things like that, uh, where you can actually eat up a fair amount of the day just listening to different books and uh, watching documentaries that can teach your kids a lot of different things and reading aloud, listening to books is really good for kids' brains. So you're not even giving them that low quality of an experience here. You're actually doing quite a bit for them, even with just those two tips. And, you know, we had an education expert on earlier in the week, and he had some great advice. He said, don't worry so much about sitting down with textbooks and doing lessons. Mm-hmm. Think of ways mm-hmm. you can get the kids involved in stuff around the house. Maybe it's baking mm-hmm. and measuring things, right? Just try and mm-hmm. think about things that you do in your life that kids can maybe benefit from and learn from. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. about doing the times tables and, you know, pulling Mm -hmm. out the textbooks. And you know what? Everybody's got their own specialties out there. Everybody has their own jobs and things that they know. And so now might be a great time to teach your kids about the things that you're an expert in. So think about the things that you already know that you don't have to spend a lot of time actually learning how to teach and, I mean, if you are great at cleaning, if, if that's your profession, if you're uh, somebody who works at a desk and works with Excel, uh, you know, some of those skills that, that you have can actually be taught to your children without having to go out and learn anything yourself. And so now might be a time to kind of take your kid to work uh, and just teach them about life in general, like you're saying, or about your own things that you're an expert in. And it seems like with the pandemic, COVID-19, every even... Even things that aren't challenging have become challenging, and things that were challenging before are now more challenging. For example, (laughs) there are moms and dads out there that Mm -hmm. share custody of kids. Oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how does that work, right? Right. And I guess (laughs) you just, you know, you try and be... I don't know. I, I, so many questions come to mind, and usually it's a listener that says something that makes me go, mm-hmm. gee, I hadn't thought about that, just like what you said, right? So I don't know yeah, if you have well, any thoughts on that, but, you know. That's a tough situation. I mean, those are really challenging, and, and to think about the spread of this versus who has custody, these are all already often very tense situations that are difficult to solve. Uh, and to tell you the truth, I, I think that the solutions to that might be quite unique depending on how things are going for each couple. But yes, I mean, I just, every time I turn around, I'm here, I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, I hadn't thought about that, like weddings. Like, you know, just all these things where it's like, oh, yeah. right, how would that work now, you know? And and uh, all the disappointments out there and challenging situations. I tried to order something on Amazon in order to help with this situation in my clinic. And now things on Amazon take longer to get here. And, you know, it, everything is just more challenging and it just keeps hitting you in new ways. Yeah. All right. On to our prepared stuff. Thanks for answering those Mm -hmm. questions. But I jotted a couple notes down and I thought, you know, Cyrus would be a good guy to to ask Mm -hmm. about that. Uh, First Mm -hmm. headline, why some people prepare for COVID-19 and some don't. Get into the psychology Mm -hmm. of this one, Doc. Well, I thought this was so interesting and kind of was 
something that made sense to me afterwards, but uh, actually surprised me a little bit. First of all, just to say that they actually asked people with different, uh, they gave people this uh, disease idea and they said, okay, so there's this disease going around the world. And they said, now a different percentage, a different death rates, when would you prefer, prepare yourself? And 49% said they would be relatively uninterested in taking steps to protect themselves if the death rate was about 3%, which is, you know, um, not the same, but a little bit similar to what we're dealing with now. So about half the people weren't interested in preparing. Even if the mortality rate was 10%, even at that level, still 11% of people were not interested in protecting themselves. Wow. So it's, not definitely, it's definitely not everybody out there who's interested in kind of going and doing things to protect themselves. Uh, but I think, you know, more central to the question you're asking is like, why are some people doing this and why are some people not? Mm-hmm. What the two factors that they found were fear, which kind of makes sense. Like if you're afraid, you're going to go do more, right? Like, um, but the other one that was really interesting that surprised me was hope. People who had more hope were more likely to go and prepare themselves. Um, and so one of the things that I've seen in people is that people who are uh, hopeful about the future, who believe that the world will get better again, aren't paralyzed by their fear. They believe that they can do something. They have a feeling of control in themselves in the world. And it's like, well, if I work, Things are hard right now, but if I work hard at it, it's going to be better for me versus somebody else who maybe feels like the world just does stuff to me and nothing I do makes a difference. Uh, They're not going to do anything because nothing I do makes a difference. Um, But if you have hope, you're more likely to say, hmm, this is probably going to get better. If I do something now, it's going to be easier. And they're more likely to go out and, and prepare as well. So some mixture of fear and hope produces people who are more likely to take the initiative and and go and prepare themselves now they didn't talk as much about over preparing um i'm not sure exactly uh where that comes from maybe more fear uh and maybe some hope i'm not sure but those were the two factors that led to people taking some steps to prepare themselves as opposed to some of the things that i'm seeing which is like people being paralyzed at home not doing anything and then getting themselves into real challenges when they do try to do something about this well, I fall into that one category. I was talking to Jackie about this this morning, and, and I am definitely hopeful. I believe that, and, mm. and it sounds sort of, you know, hokey and cliche to say, we'll get through this together. But I believe we will get through this together. But I am mm-hmm. definitely, when we get through this, I am definitely going to be doing some things differently for the next time, if mm. there is a next time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of hopeful people out there. We were we already had some fitness equipment on order before this all started, and we were checking up on it. And the guy was like, wow, you know, everything's gone. I basically have nothing on my floor. My three months of stock is gone. I uh, had no more real fitness equipment left, and we were just kind of talking to him about that. And I, and I had a client who was like, I ordered a Bowflex or whatever it was, and uh, they were kind of like, this is my chance to cocoon and change myself, and I'm going to come out a new person at the end of it. <laughs> so they were, there are people out there who have hope and are looking to improve themselves even during this time. And uh, so that's another way to look at this, is like this is your chance to kind of focus on yourself. And, if, and you have time to do those things that maybe you didn't have time to do before. I mentioned this yesterday, Google searches for I want a divorce up 150%. And so, and I don't know, you know, uh, but listen, not everybody is hating the together, the togetherness that this is causing. I mean, Mm. I'm enjoying more time with Jackie, to be quite honest with you, but uh, Mm -hmm. every relationship is different. Here's the headline. Can your relationship survive too much time together? What can you tell us about that, Doc? Well, People like to be together, obviously, and, and we've talked before about how 
you know, this time shows us how much these separations can really be difficult for ourselves. Like it's, so we do want to be together, but yeah, can you get too much? Typically people are ambiverts. They're not introverts. They're not extroverts. That's a bit of a myth. There are some who are on both of those, but most people are ambiverts. They like to have some, and then they also balance themselves by having the others. They like to be alone sometimes. They like to be together sometimes. Uh, Another way to look at this, which is something that some researchers did, was they said familiarity versus change. We like things that are familiar, like maybe going home and watching some television in the evening, and we also like some change, like going on a vacation. We like to kind of balance things back and forth. And so if you do either one, yes, yeah, it does cause stress, and it doesn't surprise me. You know, it's interesting, just to to go off track a little bit, uh, we haven't had a lot of new clients calling in, which has been surprising given the fact that everything's pointing to people having more mental health challenges. And uh, we're trying to figure that out. Like, oftentimes when you're in a crisis, you don't necessarily call for help, but it's only kind of when you get yourself together a little bit afterwards. So that might be one factor. Another thing is people may not realize you can actually access help at this time. There are, like, telehealth options and things like that, which seem to be just about as as good. So when you said that about couples uh, Googling divorce and stuff like that, if couples are struggling, there are places you can go to get help, even now, uh, just online or things like that. It seems to be about as helpful. Well, and the province this morning announced a new at-home mental health program. And mm. um, But I think you're right. I think it's, it's maybe too new. Uh, as yeah. people sort of get things in order a little bit, then maybe they go take a breath and go, wow, I, I need to find some help. So many people during this COVID-19 pandemic are helping others. We here at CJOB are trying to give back, trying to give you the best and most accurate information, and uh, trying to help out the organizations in this community that help others. It's called CJOB Give Back, and you can find out more about it. You're going to hear more about it on the air. You can find out more about it at cjob.com. You'll see the image, CGOB Give Back, on the front rotator on the front page. Click there to find out more information, and uh, we're going to do an interview every Friday with somebody like our next guest, Jim Bell, CEO of Silo Mission. Jim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Uh, Hope you're doing well, and thank you to CGOB for taking the initiative around your give back. I think that's, that's tremendous, and thank you for communicating that. I think it's a great initiative by your organization least we can do. Um, Tell us about life these days at Siloam. Well, life goes on at Siloam, no question. And like everybody else, the challenges of COVID are upon us um, at Siloam. Uh, We're making uh, operational changes as we see fit on on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, so that we can land on some best practices, if I can call it that, uh, given given this situation around COVID, and I can give you some examples of that. And, and of course, we want to and we do continue to provide the essential services around um, feeding people and giving them a warm, safe place to sleep every night with our 110 beds that are, that are full to capacity every night and having to redirect people. Uh, that is a challenge, but... At the same time, we continue to make sure that we pay attention uh, to those essential services. But at the same time, and with uh, and I know that people are hearing this often, and it's a good thing, we have to pay attention uh, to minimizing the exposure at every point of contact. So the social distancing part, overall cleanliness, we, we cannot emphasize that enough within our organization and certainly out in the community. 
one of the decisions that we had to make that, make that I think is well known by now is uh, we love our volunteers. They're the lifeblood of Siloam, but we've had to suspend um, volunteer activity for some of our non-essential and some of our non-essential programs mm-hmm. and rely extensively on staff, uh, things like that. And so we're doing our very best. I thank you for the question. The other thing I will say that I'm grateful for is there is an awful lot of communication happening internally every day with my leadership team, which I'm so grateful for that are participating greatly every day to bring forth the best ideas from what we're experiencing. And and also every day being on the phone and in contact with other shelters and uh, government organizations where we're all really binding together to see what we can do going forward to uh, to maintain these essential services and at the same time ensuring nobody gets sick, whether that be yeah. an employee or somebody that's walking into our building. Right. And and obviously you're having challenges as everybody is having challenges these days, but I really want to get out there. Um, you, you mentioned that you can't really have people volunteering of their time right now. Of course, that makes sense. An easy way to help out, or at least it's been easy for me in the past, you can provide a hot meal to somebody in need for about $3. And it's I understand there are people out there that aren't working, that want to work, maybe they've lost their job, but there are other people mm-hmm. maybe in a position where they can help you out, and it doesn't take a lot of money. At Siloam, you guys can buy a lot for a very little. Talk about that and how can people give uh, online uh, if they want to right now, and I know many do. Oh, Hal, I'm so grateful for you bringing that up because uh, even under, uh, I would say, normal circumstances at Siloam, we rely so heavily on a very generous and giving community within Winnipeg and throughout Manitoba. But as we go through this COVID situation, it just becomes paramount. So, yes, and we're certainly aware when you're reading in the headlines of up to a million people getting into the EI line, that's a story unto itself. But two, to our donor community out there that are able that are able to continue to give of cash that is that is the greatest gift that you can give to Siloam and I'll give you an explanation why that with the donations that we get uh, goods in kind the food that we get and we we need all of that but cash donations help us to really supplement and, and go out and purchase the things that we really need for meals uh, and other items so Yes, for those that are able, please um, go online at siloam.ca. There will be direction there in terms of how you can give. And I would like to continue to give uh, our community comfort to know that we do. We stretch the dollar to the best of our ability to make sure that we are buying the things that are totally necessary. And this, as we see with every challenge, uh, I must say with every challenge, there's a, there's a word of encouragement that we get every day or a an experience of encouragement that just really inspires us here at Siloam. I just want our community to know that uh, we continue to be so impressed and inspired by uh, how they support us. And at the end of the day, we're simply trying to provide these essential services to the, to the community people that need it the most. And of course, that uh, the challenges with the homeless people right now, they're not going away. We have to make sure that we keep them safe. We have to do our best to keep them isolated we do not want anybody with we don't want anybody getting sick from this covid virus but certainly it would take on a whole new level here at Siloam if um if homeless people uh start to test positive so we're doing all we can 
And the donor community is right at our back. And uh, if I may, I would just like to encourage that where they can, please go online, salome.ca. And if it's food articles, we need those as well. Anything that is non-perishable, prepackaged items that come to my mind, juice boxes, granola bars, uh, in, in clothing, there's always a need for underwear and hygiene items within our health care. I know those are all general needs, but in the times that, time that we have right now on the radio with CJOB, uh, those would be the paramount um, items that I would like to get out there. And again, a big thank you to the community of Manitoba because we, we feel the encouragement every day amongst all the challenges of COVID. Jim, keep helping those who need it at Siloam. Again, the website is siloam.ca, CGOB Giveback. You can find out more about what we're doing to help organizations like Siloam Mission at cgob.com. And I'm going to be doing an interview like this every Friday, Jim, for as long as this takes. And I just want you to know that you are going to be my first donation of $68. I'm going to give $68 to the cause every Friday that I'm talking to. And you'll be getting uh, that donation from me shortly. I, like many people, am worried about the future, but I can afford to give you $68. And I know you're going to put that to good use. Hal, that uh, that will feed a lot of people. And on behalf of everybody here at Siloam, our wish for our community is that everybody stay safe. Look after one another, and we're going to get through this together. Thank you, Jim. Jim Bell, CEO, Silo Mission, CJOB. Give back. Go to cjob.com. Find out more about it. You're obviously going to hear more about it here on the radio. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.